Chapter Five of Journeys to Baghdad. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Journeys to Baghdad by Charles S. Brooks. Chapter Five. Tunes for Spring. Cuckoo, jug, jug, pui, to witta woo. Spring, the sweet spring if by any chance you have seen a man in a coat with sagging pockets and a cloth hat of the latest fashion but two a hat which i may say is precious to him old friends old wine old hats emerging from his house just short of noon do not lay his belated appearance to any disorder in his conduct certain neighbors at their windows as he passed raised their eyes in a manner if i mistake not of suspicion that a man should be so far trespassing on the day for nine o'clock should be the penny-picker's latest departure for the vineyard thereafter the street belongs to the women except for such sprouting and unbright manhood as brings the groceries and the hardened villainy that fetches ice and with deep voices breaks the treble of the neighborhood but beyond these there are no men in sight save the pantalooned exception who mows the grass and the whirr of his clicking knives sounds the prelude of the summer i'll say by way of no more than a parenthetical flick of notice that his eastern front conspicuous from the rear as he bends forward over his machine shows a patched and joined mullionry that is not unlike the tracery of some cathedral's rounded apse but i go too far in imagery plain speech is best i'll wave the gothic touch but observe this sluggard who issues from his door he knows he is suspected that the finger is uplifted and chin is wagging and so he takes on a smarter stride with a pretense of briskness to proclaim thereby the virtue of having risen early despite his belated appearance and what mighty business he has dispatched within the morning but you will get no clue as to whether he has been closeted with the law or whether he is domestic faction plumbers or others of their ilk if indeed plumbers really have any ilk and do not as i suspect stand unbothered like the humped richard in the play or maybe some swirl of fancy blew upon him as he was spooning up his breakfast which he must set down in an essay before the matter cool or an epic may have thumped within him let us hope that his thoughts this cool spring morning have not been heeded to such bloody purpose that he has killed a score of men upon his page and that it is with the black gore of the ink-pot on him that he has called for his boots to face the world you remember the fellow who kills him some six or seven dozens of scots at a breakfast washes his hands and says to his wife fie upon this quiet life i want work such ferocity should not sully this fair may morning when there are sounds only of carpet beating the tinkle of the man who is out to grind your knives and the recurrent melody of the connoisseur of rags and bottles who stands in his cart as he drives his lean and pointed horse at the cry of this perfumed brummel if you be not gone in years too far 
as often he prepares to shout the purpose of his quest you'll put a question to him hey there what do you feed your wife on and then his answer will come pat to your expectation paper rags paper rags if the persistence of youth be in you and the belief that a jest becomes better with repetition like beans nine days cold within the pot you will shout your question until he turns the corner and his answer is lost in the noises of the street adieu adieu thy plaintive anthem fades to this day i think of a rag-picker's wife as dining sparingly out of a bag not with her head inside like a horse but thrusting her scrawny arm elbow deep to stir the pottage and sprinkling salt and pepper on for nicer flavor following such preparation she will fork it out like macaroni with her head thrown back to present the whiter orifice if her husband's route lies along the richer streets she will have by way of tidbit for dessert a piece of chewy velvet sugared and buttered to a tenderness but what is this jingling racket that comes upon the street bless us it's a hurdy-gurdy the hurdy-gurdy i need hardly tell you belongs to the organ family this family is one of the very oldest and claims descent i believe from the god pan however it accepted christianity early and has sent many a son within the church to pipe divinity but the hurdy-gurdy a younger son wild and a bit of a pagan like its progenitor took to the streets in its life there it has acquired among much rascality certain charming vices that are beyond the capacity of its brother in the loft however much we may admire the deep rumble of his sabbath utterance the world has denied that chanticleer proclaims the day but as far as i know no one has had the insolence to deny the street organ as the proper herald of the spring without it the seasons would halt though science lay me by the heels i'll assert that the crocus which is a pioneer on the windy borderland of march would not show its head except on the sounding of the hurdy-gurdy i'll not deny that flowers pop up their heads afield without such call that the jack in the pulpit speaks its maiden sermon on some other beckoning of nature but in the city it is the hurdy-gurdy that gives notice of the turning of the seasons on its sudden blare i've seen the green stalk of the daffodil jiggle if the tune be of sufficient rattle and prolonged to the giving of the third nickel before the end is reached there will be seen a touch of yellow whether this follows from the same cause as attracts the children to flatten their noses on the windows and calls them to the curb that they put their ears close upon the racket that no sweetest sound be lost is a deep question and not to be lightly answered in the sound there is promise of the days to come when circuses will be loosed upon the land and elephants will go padding by with eyes looking around for peanuts why this biggest of all beasts this creature that looms above you like a crustaceous dinosaur to use long words without squinting too closely on their meaning why this behemoth with the swishing trunk should eat peanuts contemptible peanuts lies so deep in nature that the mind turns dizzy it is small stuff to feed valor on 
a penny's worth of food in such a mighty hulk whatever the lion eats may turn to lion but the elephant strains the proverb he might swallow you instead breeches hat and suspenders if you be of the older school of dress before the belt came in and not so much as cough upon the buttons and there will be red and yellow wagons boarded up seductively as though they could show you if they would snakes and hyenas may be it is best you think such things lying in the seeds of time to lay aside a dime from the budget of the week for one can never be sure against the carelessness of parents and their jaded appetites but the hurdy-gurdy is the call to sterner business also i know an old lady who at the first tinkle from the street will take off her glasses with a finality as though she were never to use them again for the light pleasure of reading but intended to fill the remainder of her days with deeper purpose there is a piece of two-legged villainy in her employ by the name of william and even before the changing of the tune she will have him rolling up the rugs for the spring cleaning there is a sour rhythm in the fellow and he will beat a pretty syncopation on them if the hurdy-gurdy will but stick to marching time it is said that he once broke the fabric of a kermanshaw in his zeal at some crescendo of the robert e lee but he was lost upon the valse and struck languidly and out of time but maybe reader in your youth you have heated a penny above a lamp and with treacherous smile you have come before an open window and when the son of italy has grinned and beckoned for your bounty the penny being just short of a molten state you have thrown it to him he stoops he feels you have learned by this how much more blessed it is to give than to receive or to dig deep in the riot of your youth you have leased a hurdy-gurdy for a dollar and with other devils of your kind gone forth to seek your fortune it's in noisier fashion than when goldsmith played the flute through france for board and bed if you turned the handle slowly and fast by jerks you attained a rare tempo that drew attention from even the most stolid windows but as music it was as not down the street it being now noon and the day monday mrs wise washing will be out to dry observe her gaunt replica cap a pie as immodest as an advertisement in her proper person she is prodigal if she unmask her beauty to the moon and in company with this is the woolen semblance of her plump husband neither of them is shaped for sportive tricks but look upon them when the music starts hand in hand upon the line as is proper for married folk heel and toe together one two and a one two three it is the hurdy-gurdy that calls to life such revelry the polka has come to its own again yet despite this evidence that the hurdy-gurdy sets the world to dancing like the fiddle in the turkish tale where even the headsman forgot his business despite such evidence there are persons who affect to despise its melody these claim such perceptivity of the outer ear and such fineness of the channels that the tune is but a clack when it gets inside god pity such 
i'll not write a word of them a spring day is at its best about noon i thrust this in the teeth of those who prefer the dawn or the coming on of night at noon there are more yellow wheels upon the street the hammering on sheds is at its loudest as the time for lunch comes near more grocers carts are rattling on their business there is a better chance that a load of green wheelbarrows may go by or a wagon of red rhubarb then too the air is so warm that even decrepitude fumbles on the porch and down the steps with a cane to poke the weeds if you have luck you may see a coloured pussin pushing a whitewash cart with altruistic intent toward all dusky surfaces except his own or maybe he has nice appreciation of what colour contrasts he himself presents when the work is midway if he wear the faded memory of a silk hat it's the better picture but also the schools are out and the joy of life is hissing up a hundred gullets baseball has now a fierceness it lacks at the end of the day there is wild demand that shorty soaker home butterfingers is a harder insult and meanwhile a popcorn wagon will be whistling a blithe if monotonous tune in trial if there be pennies in the crowd or a waffle may be purchased if you be a croesus ladled exclusively for you and dropped on the gridiron with a splutter it is a sweet reward after you have knocked a three-bagger and stolen home and is worth a search in all your eleven pockets for any last penny that may be sulking in the fuzz or perhaps there is such wealth upon your person that there is still a restless jingle in such case you will cross the street to a shop that ministers to the wants of youth in the window is displayed a box of marbles glassies commonies and a larger brownie adapted to the purpose of pugging by reason of the violence with which it seems to respond to the impact of your thumb then there are baseballs of graded excellence and seduction and tops time is needed for the choosing of a top first you stand tiptoe with nose just above the glass and make your trial selection pay no attention to the color for that's the way a girl chooses black is good without womanish taint then you wiggle the peg for its tightness and demand whether it be screwed in like an honest top and finally before putting your money down you will squint upon its roundness then slam the door and yell your presence to the street or do you come on softer errand in the rear of the shop is a parlor with a base burner and virtuous mottoes on the walls a cosy room with vases and here it is they serve cream puffs for safe transfer you balance the puff in your fingers and take an enveloping bite emerging with a prolonged suck for such particles as may not have come safely across and bending forward with stomach held in i'll leave you in this refreshment for if the money hold you will gobble until the ringing of the bell by this time as you may imagine the person with the sagging pockets whom i told you of has arrived in the centre of the city where already he is practising such device of penny-picking as he may be master of End of chapter five